Castle, the podcast that goes behind castle doors to have real conversations with real people about solving the nation's toughest challenges. I'm one of your hosts for today, Courtney Emmerich. And I'm Lauren Soma. Today we are talking with Angela Andrist and Peggy Soma in a celebration of Pride Month. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, we enjoyed being here for you. So thanks for having us. Welcome, and Peggy, she's from a small town in North Dakota, like many small towns, about 800 people left there now. Wasn't much bigger growing in the country, and by small town, she lived outside of the small town on a farm for most of the years growing up. Um, She was heavily involved in farm work until she left home. Um, Then she meandered her way to the Minneapolis-St. Paul area eventually after a stop in Fargo where she was busy in theater, I believe, right? So she's busy in theater. Um, She actually met, believe it or not, some celebrities did pass through North Dakota back then, a few of them, and she worked with some of them in the Fargo theater. And then she ended up uh, settling down as a medical transcriptionist. She worked for what became eventually St. Paul Radiology, you might remember, their office was across from our office downtown. So she was working for radiologists transcribing what they would read off of images. And we have Angie as well. She's from southern Minnesota, Rochester to be exact. She grew up Filipino American. Yeah, my mom's Filipino. Right. And so her mom's from the Philippines. She grew up here in the southern half of our state. She attended Catholic school for college, so that's interesting. And she's done many things since leaving college. She's been in San Francisco and worked out there doing different things. And she's a producer filmmaker uh, in the local area. She's won some pretty big awards. She showed me one of the awards today about uh, making documentaries on World War II veterans. Um, She won a was the yeah, it was the film festival. It was the Greatest Generation Film Festival at the Minnesota History Center, and then they put it on PBS. So that's kind of how I got got my start. Uh, what kind of memories come back up from viewing that video? Well, I I mean I think the impetus for me to make the video was that we wanted to be counted because we got married the year the uh, the law went there, and that footage in the video is us actually there when he is signing it into. Uh, the legalization of Minnesota into law. We had joked quite a bit about not getting married until the federal law went through, um, and we never thought that would happen, so we thought we probably would never get married. So Peggy heard it announced, and and uh, I said, okay, I guess we're getting married because we are full citizens. But I think at last was wanting to be counted, and there may be questions at the end about the, the Radcliffe Hall, who wrote some um, lesbian novels back in the uh, 1920s and was, was went to court for some obscenity issues, which it was not obscene. They didn't even bring anything up about any gay issues, but they were ordered to destroy all her novels. And so we just kind of felt at that time, you know, we've, we've come a long ways, and I know Lauren has some questions for us about that later. Yeah, Peggy, how do you feel about it? About yeah. the marriage when I was a little girl, I, I um, asked my mother if it was a law that when we grew up we had to be married. And she said, no, it's not a law. And I said, good, because I'm never getting married. But it took me 75 years. I think the main reason was uh, 
don't think it was a good idea to be married, is it? You were never your own boss. You're, somebody was always telling you, we'd go to town on Saturday night from the farm. My dad would look at my mom and say, you've got lipstick on. You're going to take that off. So he'd turn the car around, make it go in and wash it off. You know, I adored my father, but I thought, my God, our whole life are we going to have to be ruled by somebody else or can we decide for ourselves what we want to do? So that's my... So your early view on marriage was to never get married. But I'm assuming, and I obviously that you wanted to get married at some point. And well, yeah, you know, yeah, it wouldn't be a long life work. You know, someone you care for. And you finally got that opportunity when this law was passed. So I'm going to go into the next question, which helps keep me out of trouble, right? So I'm going to ask this one to Peggy first. What do you like to be referred to? Um, we have LGBTQIA+. What is the your preferred area there? Well, yeah, I, I, I don't want to have to refer to you as being, oh, my heterosexual nephew. I mean, why do we have to have any labels? You're just warning. You know, I'm just, I mean, if you want to give me a, a name, I mean, it's sort of like, <laughs> well, I, I agree. We, we should all, the goal, I think, is to all see each other the same, right? I think that in that light it's good. And, and some people feel like they're not res- represented if we're not using particular names or, or what they identify as. Mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty interesting when I asked you this the other day. You said, well, I would like to be called queer. Sure. Yeah. Well, you yeah. <laughs> well, you said it sounded cool. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah I think so. I'm reading that in the New York Times, but it sounded cool. And, it sounded cool. Because I think we, when you had asked us about it, you know, I mean, I think, you know, Ellen DeGeneres would call herself gay, and I think it's kind of a lot of accepted term, but I think when you ask us other questions about, you know, the 70s with the, the women's movement and everything, you know, I, I wanted to be called lesbian to be counted as, as women, you know, instead of gay women. Um, but I just don't think lesbian, uh, that term is, is used as much, or we haven't used it, and we kind of refer to ourselves more as gay. But I like Peggy's point, and I think I'm getting used to queer. I, I'm not quite comfortable with that term yet, but I think for me... Well, I, think, I think a lot of the great novels would say when a person was happy, they were gay, and didn't have any connotation other than being happy. And so why have, why take that away from them, you know? <laughs> Good point. Well, the great thing is, is you get to think what you want to about it. And now I think we just try to ask people. I know that I know from experience that I could refer to either one of you as gay and you would not be mad at right. I know now that Angie prefers to be called – she also prefers to be called Angela, which I keep on screwing up. But she also likes to be called lesbian when referring to her sex, sexuality. No, I, I think I refer to myself more as gay or a gay woman, but I think I was – you know, if you ask me the question in the 70s and 80s, I think very much, you know, was identified as lesbian, so. And I think we all try, like, we want to treat everybody with dignity and respect, and most people feel that way, right? So we try to figure out the right terms, and sometimes we, I'm talking people in general, get a little too uptight. They just maybe just ask what people prefer. So that's good. I guess this kind of blends into the question I just asked, but what do you see yourself as? your sexuality. So now we, we're talking about what you get called gay, lesbian, bisexual. What do you see yourself as? I'll, I'll let Peggy go first. 
I thought about this a lot because I mean, I've had experiences with men and women in the 60s. I mean, who didn't? You know, you're a nerd. You have a relationship. So, I mean, there was a lot of that, and it's not a huge problem. But I can say I enjoy both. But I think what happens as time goes on, you decide who can you be spiritually and emotionally attached to most. And if it happens to be the same sex, go ahead with it. So you're really just somewhere in the spectrum and it doesn't matter? You're just going to fall in love with You fall in love Love with it. And Angie was that person. So, Angie, what do you, same question to you. What do you really see your sexuality as? Yeah. My first experience was when I was like 12, when I was just, you know, experiencing. I know you're going to ask us some coming out questions later on. But I, you know, I always had a boyfriend until my sophomore year in college. I feel that, you know, until the coming out time, you know, I think Peggy and I were talking about it before, but. I think back in the 70s and 80s or 50s and 60s, we were very pressured to be heterosexual, and we were very closeted for our welfare and safety. So kind of hard to say what were you. I mean, if we were still being with girls or females, you know, early on, then I feel like that's maybe who we truly were, how we identified. But on the outside, we, we couldn't be that way, or we didn't feel like we could be that way. So it kind of made it confusing as far as how we identified. But we have been together almost 32 years, and we've been with (laughs) each other as women, even though I think there is a continuum of how people feel. I mean, I think a lot of women, this is my own opinion, but women may feel emotionally connected to other women, but maybe they wouldn't do anything, you know, sexually with women. But so I feel we're kind of on a continuum more that it's not like you're 100% heterosexual or 100% gay, you know. I feel that it's much more fluid. And I think nowadays, you know, there is more fluidity in sexual identity and sex and and your gender identification. So I think that is becoming more of a common thing. And maybe that thought process is why you could identify with many of the letters under the LGBTQ. IA plus. Again, it's just best to ask him. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for that. Also, something I've learned more recently at work, too, it's not just what we call a person like, say, you'd be a lesbian, what we call their parts, right? Yeah. So what do you guys prefer? Do you prefer to be called, would you refer to Peggy as your wife or would you say my partner or well, that's come up a lot, and I think because the first 25 years we only referred to each other as partners, kind of got used to that. Um, you know, it, it took a while to even call her uh, each other, our wife, you know, once we got married. I had told you the story the other day that sometimes I feel still uncomfortable, I, you know, depending on the situation, and I was trying to uh, finalize my dad's um, memorial headstone. He died last May. And I had written in my email, my, my spouse has been having some medical issues, sorry for the delay. And then he replied back and he said, so sorry to hear about your husband. And then I was in that situation of like, okay, do I correct him or do I just let it go? And, you know, that he was just making that assumption. I might have said something at that point. Definitely in a medical situation, that comes up sometimes. But I, I find I'm comfortable, much more comfortable with life. What about you? Yeah, well, you know, I kind of like 
partner bears in place or husband, because that has a connotation of somebody that's subservient or somebody that should be in the kitchen. <laughs> I think it should be an equal thing. It's a partner sounds more equal to me than wife or husband, you know. Right. Well, yeah, and in my case, I like partner because it makes me almost sound as good as my wife. <laughs> I might agree with you there. Um, I think the best idea is to try and and ask people if you don't know. Mm-hmm. And that might take a little bravery. It might come at the expense of offending them one time. Mm-hmm. But maybe you won't offend them over and over again. That's kind of how I thought about it. And uh, I hope that's the right, right way to go about it. And back to your wedding, too, you're talking about your dad and, and the headstone and stuff, too. I know that was something, too, in the wedding, like how your family would react to the wedding. So. Yeah. Well, my, my dad was. My mom is you know, very conservative Catholics, and I did go to a Catholic college. I did go to public school. But I think because of that, when we told them we were getting married, they felt that it went against their religion, and they didn't want to come to our wedding. So that was the first thing out of the gate. And so that was really difficult. Uh, We ran into some friends that were also very religious and very uncomfortable also attending our wedding. And then we started thinking, You know, I think it's better just to have a celebration where we know people accept us for who we are, and we don't have to worry about them being uncomfortable or them not wanting, you know, to be there. So we opted not to invite any family. I think that really created a a different energy for our celebration. Right. And that's why Lauren didn't get an invite. Yeah, (laughs) No family was invited, even though we did go to his wedding, yes. No, I, I do remember. I do remember when all of a sudden Peggy was married, and it was like, wow, that that is almost like you eloped or something at the age of seventy-five. So that's good. And uh, Peggy, did you feel that way at all? Were you anxious about family? Well, you know, being Scandinavian, you know, I think they never ask pointed questions like, "Hey, this is crazy. Are you? You know, nobody in our family is." Lesbian, why are you going that way? Nobody ever said that. I'm sure they all knew it, but nobody talked about that. That you know, was like you guys, you guys are different. You know, all you always had to be different for a while. You wouldn't actually marry a man or whatever. I'm sure that's how they felt, but I think somewhat was important there. And some of that might have been not just being Scandinavian; it might have just been the times, right? Because mm-hmm. I yeah. think a lot of us were like that in general, mm-hmm. or a lot of society was like that in general when you were, especially when you were growing up. So let's move right into that. What, Peggy, what did you want to be when you were growing up? I wanted to be a movie director. I went to Stone's Crusade because they had movie magazines. I went to every movie. I was in every high school play. For 10 years in Fargo, I was in every play they ever had in the Fargo Memorial Community Theater. And I thought, I almost went to New York to try to wait on tables and wait till I hit the big time. But, I mean, of course it didn't happen. I'm not, I was way too much of a coward to do that. I... <laughs> yeah. So you wanted to be a film. What other kind of things did you do as a child? Like, what, do you have any indication, I'm, I'm sure you did, that you might not be um, heterosexual, like? Well, I had, uh, oh, I always thought drum major at <laughs> Sometimes I got to hold the tube door open for them, and I thought, God went to heaven, you know, it was like I was madly in love with everyone who twirled the twirling thing. Right. Yeah, we led the band. <laughs> anyway, 
I never knew what I was. For the first 20 years of my life, I went to every Sunday school class I ever had, every church service, every Luther League meeting. I went to be a missionary, you know, forget about hormones. I didn't want to acknowledge them early. And then the 60s came, and that was a whole different thing. Let's try hormones. Right. <laughs> different times. Is there anything during your childhood which was, if you did realize or, like, had those feelings, would have you been scared to tell, like, grandma or grandpa? No. No, you never tell it. But I mean, I've been for boys and girls. Yeah, I mean, I never said, oh, I'm just. Say if you were going to, like, express to grandma, or I'll say her mother, that you were gay, what do you think might have happened to you? Yeah, and, probably, and I'm thinking about, oh, my mother, since my dad was killed, everybody was so young. My sister would come home from Chicago and she smoked grass. And Mama walked in the house and said, What's that sweet smell? And because I'm smoking grass. What's grass? It's marijuana, mother, you know. He said, Well, just so you don't go out in the car or anything, just do it at home. I'm sure that, you know, they they wanted to be safe. And So if you were doing something like wildly like, Progressive or something mm-hmm. at that time, you think that grandma would have been okay oh, yeah. with it? Because some of my friends would get from their base, they get bottles of wine or something, and they couldn't drink it anywhere. Mom said, You stay overnight, you can have it here. You know, I mean, just don't go in the car, don't go anywhere else. But, you know, she was just on the safe with you. Okay. And the last question about childhood, because I know there's a bunch of stuff there. We hear about stories of boxing. Oh. Yeah. Well, you want to tell the story? Yeah, he didn't have boys. He wanted his girls to box and beat up on his on the boy cousins that would come to our house. Oh, we jarred ourselves with a left hand punch with our right hand. <laughs> so you're pretty victorious most of the time. Oh, wow. He had me playing ping pong in the winter in the basement. I couldn't even see over the table. He'd never let me in. Give you a taste of blood, see what it's like. Then I would win, and he'd never win. He'd put a $100 bill on the table and bet anybody that couldn't keep it. I think we both had some tomboy right. uh, mm-hmm. showing up, for sure. That's what I kind of was trying to oh, yeah. trying to drag out of you. You were quite the tomboy, I think, or what people would have called the tomboy back then. I know you were hauling grain, pretty much being a farmhand. And, and Angie... I think you've had a lot of experiences like this, too, and, and I wanted to ask you, too, um, what did you want to do when you grew up? Well, I think we were talking about this earlier that um, I was kind of alluding to that, was that, you know, we were so pressured to be a certain way, and I think, you know, my mom was a, a nurse at the St. Mary's Mayo Clinic system, and, and so I was kind of pressured to kind of go into nursing or science or go into business. And they weren't very um, supportive of me being a creative or being an artist. I remember the beginning of college, I wanted to go into the theater. In fact, I can tell that's kind of how Peggy and I met. <laughs> I think it's our our meeting story. But we were just we were just never really able to be ourselves. In the neighborhood, I would do little plays, and when MTV came out, yes, I'm old for MTV when it came out. We were doing, I was doing like videos, music videos with my friends. 
I'm getting a Super 8 camera and, and shooting things. So I think I, I always had that piece in me, and I tried to pursue it, but it was really squelched from my parents. And in that time, I think I had mentioned to you, you know, I went to a pretty large public school with over 500 people in my class. I didn't know one gay person or didn't know no one was out, you know, out of all those people. Uh, in later years, I found out there were some gay people in my class, but at the time, you know, we wouldn't have known. So I think we kind of really lived these lives, uh, double lives back then just to, to fit in. Right, very much a closet existence. Very, both of us were very, very closet. And I can see the contrast here a little bit, even though, like, Peggy can't even realize that she might be gay growing up, and you can at least realize it by the time the 70s and 80s are hitting. Yeah, because I think you were asking about the coming out or when. Yes, when that, it came out. that was going to be my next yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. So, so. But I think that was kind of part of it is that even though I was having some experiences with girls and boys, I, I like part of the coming out to myself was much like this presentation is, is how it happened. I was in a social work class and they had some gay people on a panel and they were telling their experiences in their life and what, about themselves. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I can really relate to some of their stories. So I had left that presentation saying, oh my goodness, you know, I think I'm, I'm lesbian. And as I was walking out of the classroom, I remembered these people kind of talking about the panel and they were saying some real derogatory things and how, you know, how terrible it was. And right there and then I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm out now more to myself, but I still have to be closeted at a college or Catholic college. And I think I told you the other day about I became a student body president, and I remember my advisor telling me not to tell people I was gay and not to come out because everything that I had did in the campus and what I supported that that would reverse everything and no one would support me so I should stay completely closeted if I didn't want to undo all the work I had done being student body president so I was asked to not come out and then my official coming out story to my parents do you want me to tell that one sure. okay please go ahead <laughs> well it was when we were, I was in um, college in St. Cloud and I was at a gathering there of a, a lesbian gathering. Karen Thompson was at this gathering, and you may know Karen Thompson, who um, her partner of four years, Sharon Polsky, got in a car accident and got a brain injury and became incapacitated. And then she was trying to get a guardianship of her, and Sharon's parents forbade her to visit her, and she wasn't able to visit Sharon for two years. So that really was a big court case in Minnesota that, you know, tried to support gay uh, guardianship <clears throat> by partners. And so I remember sitting there next to her, and she was kind of explaining some of her story, and she goes, the hardest thing was I had to come out to my parents on national television. That was like the hardest thing I've ever done. Being 19, I'm just thinking, oh, my goodness, I don't want to come out to my parents on national television. The next day I was working for a nun at St. Ben's and I said, I have to go to Rochester to talk to my parents about something. And she was like, oh, okay. So I took the day off, went down there. I told my parents and I said, I have to talk to you about something. And then my mother was like, oh no, you're pregnant. I mean, I thought, oh, the 
the irony in that. I was like, no, I'm not pregnant. I'm in a relationship with my college roommate, and I love her, and I'm lesbian. They just freaked out, and my mom's like, you can't be lesbian. You, you had some aunts that were, and they married men, and I'm like, who are the aunts? You know, it was just the craziest thing. And, I, and then I remember the next day I was going to, to leave to go back to school, and she would she was doing the dishes, and she would not make eye contact with me. I tried to, to hug her, and she just just wouldn't have any, you know, interaction with me whatsoever. My dad didn't even come up to say goodbye to me. And I just remember leaving the house and just crying all the way back to St. Cloud, feeling like I had really made a mistake. It was a really, really hard, hard time. And then for like, 25 years, we never used the word gay or lesbian or talked about it ever, even though Peggy and I were partnered and um, we were, you know, we, we went to holidays and we were there a lot. They always accepted Peggy and me, but they never ever talked about a relationship or accepted us. Yep, and, and I do I do want to kind of ask about that, but I, I, kind of, I was wondering as we're sitting here talking, so I know your coming out story. I don't really know Peggy's coming out story. How, so I, we've always known, and as you alluded to earlier in the conversation we'll talk about, We've always known that Peggy's been gay since the beginning of time, me, right? Because she was dating other women before I was born. But it was, like, probably not talked about enough. It was at least talked about among parents, like your aunt. Yeah, no, we ever talked to me about it. So everybody just arrived mm-hmm. at the concept that you were gay mm-hmm. or a lesbian. Because I, I know my parents had a talk with me when I was, I don't know, even know how young, because it just always was, you know, Auntie Peggy is, gay and she likes other women and that might have been ahead of its time when I was a kid I'm not sure but it definitely was talked about among them but they never expressed that to you did grandma Inga know that you were gay before she died I mean obviously she knew you were gay you're bringing Angie yeah I had never yeah you know and and there was some level of acceptance because Mm -hmm. you're you're there but did did you guys ever talk about it or anything Never. No, and Mom thought, oh, she knew she was going to die of my cancer. And she thought maybe I'd be marrying Art, her husband. Yeah, she died. That's bizarre, but yeah. it's a thing, I guess. But so that that's interesting that in, in one case, you know, you can see some generational changes there, right, even here among the both of you is, is Angela is a little bit younger than Peggy. Well, I think we had talked about it before, and we had said that, you know, even in the time I've known you for, you know, 32 years, we've never talked about us being gay or a couple. Like, it was just something on both sides of the family. It pretty much was that way, that they really supported both me and Peggy, you know, as people, but they never, you know, used the word gay or referred to us as partners or, you know, I was just her friend. You know, I just kind of showed up and, you know, it was never acknowledged that we were life partners. So I think that was very common for both both families, both sides of the family. I think we're where I'm heading with this is that's pretty deep when it's family, right? And then we can expand that to workplace, right? So that's the kind of next area I wanted to talk about was uh, I see I might be a little bit out of order here. But I want to take that into the workplace discussion because um, I think if you can't, for one, you want to be accepted with your family, right? I think there's another level of acceptance 
I know if I were to be gay, I'd want my family to accept, right? And actually be like, oh, yeah, that's Lauren. That's the person he's with or whatever. To make me feel comfortable. And I think that's where we're heading in the workplace, too, is to, you know, make sure it's comfortable despite whatever sexual sexual orientation I think in my, my video, I mean, I, I thought about that, is that until that uh, right passed in 1993, we could have been fired and discriminated for our sexual orientation in our jobs. We could have lost our jobs by coming out. Uh, and or, you know, some people could have lost their children, their homes, or whatever. I mean, they, and so I think since we were partnered at that time, that was very, very real to us to stay very closeted um, in our workplaces because we didn't want to be fired at that time. So, I mean, I know you guys have many experiences, like you used to um, deliver a newspaper for the community, yeah. is that, that yeah. right? Yeah, we had a, a gay, gay newspaper that was, well, there were several at the time, and it was in the early 90s, and we had um, went to different locations to deliver that uh, newspaper, volunteered to do that, and the funny story we have about that is we did go down to visit my, my parents in Rochester once, and we were running late, and so we were delivering these newspapers. So I came in the door, and my mom was like, well, why are you late? And I thought, well, okay, I'm going to be brave and say something. This is probably, what, you know, 15 years later, and I'm just like, well, Peggy and I were delivering some gay newspapers, so sorry we're late. And my mom just kind of, you know, it was like a deer in the headlights, and then um, she said, well, you, just, you two just be safe. You be careful about doing that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we, we'll, we'll try to be safe. And then momentarily, Peggy comes in, and we didn't, like, I didn't tell her I was going to say anything to my mom. And so she's coming in only under a pretense that we're, you know, somewhere else doing something else. And I, I just turned to Peggy, and I'm just like, I just told her we were delivering gay newspapers. So, and Peggy just was like, doing the headlights. <laughs> the reason I bring that up is that was probably the only time I said gay before I brought up my wedding. Uh, to my mom and all those years. So it definitely wasn't something she was just saying, oh, well, let's talk about that or what, you know, or what do you mean gay newspapers? What, why would you be doing, you know, there was no conversation around it. It just was, you know, kind of fell to the airwaves. Do you feel like you've been more open about being gay since the law passed for gay marriage? <laughs> uh, if it ever comes up, I don't deny it. I mean, I what I am, or, well, or what my relationship is, but I don't just go offering it for no reason. Yeah. Do you feel like there's a a difference, Peggy, from from before the law and after the law? I mean, most of the I don't go around being proclaiming to people that I'm straight or or anything like that. But I'm just I'm looking for that difference. Do you feel like there's a difference in how you might react or just openly say that you're? Well, like have a like now. Yeah, well, like now to before when the law passed. People have edu- educated people have become more accepting, you know, because they know what exists and, and they just uh, have access to more information. You know, probably, you know, blue-collar people that haven't had an education, they might have a rural opinion. That might be, they might be prejudiced for many reasons, you know, other than, other than just, what sexuality they have, they might be prejudiced because they're Muslim or whatever. Especially back in the day, in the 70s or... But but we think now, in general, I think people, you know, everybody is 
much more accepting. I mean, there's still places and people that we might not feel comfortable being out. When you mentioned that something about my coming out or our coming out stories, it's like every time we meet someone new, we have to decide whether we come out or not. A gay person kind of has to come out like daily or weekly or whatever, or choose not to, like Katie's saying, you know, it's like maybe it's not relevant. And and I think, you know, you may ask questions about that, but I think that's what's changed the most is like where we live here in the, you know, we're the only gay people in our entire complex here, but you know, everybody loves us and we, we, we connect and we do stuff. Our old home, you know, we were kind of the house. Everybody knew us. And at our wedding, we only had one gay couple there. The rest of the people were straight because and they, they're our friends and they were every different religion. Uh, <laughs> we had every religion accounted for there. And so I think ultimately we just want to like people for people and let everybody be themselves. But I think when we got married, I read somewhere that they said, well, now you'll have a thousand more rights than you had before. And I'm like, a thousand? You know, <laughs> like, what what rights don't we have? And, and that was kind of a wake-up call, you know, because it really affected, you know, how we own a house, and it affected, um, you know, our medical things, our insurance, our wills. I mean, it just kind of affects everything, and you don't really – expect that because we wanted to make sure after the Sharon and Karen case before we could that we wanted to be each other's power of attorney in case something happened because we wouldn't have the privileges of being a spouse or wife in a hospital setting. I think there's so many things that we've had to do in 30-some years that are different than heterosexual people. And I think that's the part that a lot of people might not realize how how difficult that is. Or even for us being married, joint taxes, how we weren't able to get a return when we had to file separately. Like for 25 years, you know, is that fair? Well, well said. Other questions I want to have too. We're talking about how it's changed over time right now. And it's changed. I get the feeling that, yeah, it's really different from one era to another. And it's got a lot better. Because, so you still want improvement in these areas. But I think it's interesting to talk about how it was and how it is. If you were to tell somebody you're gay in the 1950s growing up, what would have happened on, on Peg? Where you live? Yeah. You know what? I went to uh, San Francisco when I was like 15. It was a Lutheran thing. It was a big convention there, part of us. And somebody said, oh, they showed us where the street was where all the gays were. To that man, that's some man, some woman. I thought, what? Don't put that story on me. I mean, that's false for sure. I never knew there was people dressing up like they're something else or, or trying to be what they weren't. I didn't, I didn't really know then, growing up, what there was, that that was, existed. We won't, we won't call you a farm from then. You know, I'll tell you, you have to be in the 50s. <laughs> There wasn't even television in the early 50s. I, well, I never saw television except that I was in high school. Right. So, you know, that's how information passes and you get sophisticated from watching shows and whatnot. And then you mentioned the 60s were a little bit wilder when you moved out of the 50s. Totally, that's what happened. That's so why the 60s happened. And, and you were still in North Dakota, right, or in this region, you know, so what was it like then? What would have happened 
If you what? told one of your friends that you were gay in the 1960s? We had directors that would be community theater plays from London. They were from New York City. That community theater paid a lot of money for these directors to come in. They were sophisticated, so we yeah. kind of just went with it. Yeah. yeah. Right. So not a big deal. Even in Fargo, North Dakota, it wouldn't have been a big deal. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's actually kind of shocking to theater, me. Theater right. would have made the difference. Yeah. Right. If you probably, yeah, I suppose if you're working in another area, that mm-hmm. might have been a big deal. And then what drew you to come? I, I, you moved to Minneapolis-St. Paul mm-hmm. in the 1960s, right? What drew, What made you make that? Nobody was in Fargo today. And and I started, I worked for a radiologist in Fargo. So, and I, I didn't like working for uh, business. This didn't interest me, but medical terminology is. I just wanted to, oh, I had twice as much money that I got a month from working and not really doing as much in the Twin Cities, working as a medical transcriptionist. So that was a big deal. Did you want to get away from the, the, you know, Fargo to come to the Twin Cities? It was a little bigger and more of a bigger city. Yeah. Sorry, I'm asking a question. Yeah, no, no, that's fine. Yeah. And I stayed at the Holiday Inn, uh, and I started walking down my street. I thought that was the main part of the Twin Cities. I thought I was in a bigger place than this, right? So, what would have it been like in the workforce? In Minneapolis, St. Paul, when you first moved here, what, 1967, 8, or I, I don't know what year you moved here, but late 60s, right? Mm-hmm. What would it have been like for a woman working in the workplace and then also a gay woman working? I would do a lot of, I would do a lot of typing for, uh, for radiologists, yeah, learning to be a radiologist, residents, yeah. So he helped me move with my gay partner place to try to pay back for all the typing I did. And you know, I think everybody knows, but they, again, they're, okay. people like me, you know, I, think I like them. I, I felt no discrimination. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting. That, I didn't expect that. So people are pretty good to you here, and I imagine that continued all the way up until you retired. I've never really, if there was a, Awful feeling. I never experienced that feeling. So we kind of got the lay of the land for Peggy, and she's working for well-educated doctors that are radiologists. How about yourself, um, Angie, when we're talking about the 70s and 80s, starting to hit the workforce? Is your experiences the same? Well, I, I did my internship, like I mentioned, at the Asian AIDS Project in San Francisco and went to classes through a Women in Work program at Berkeley. I just felt like that kind of got me uh, started because I was very sheltered coming from a, you know, Catholic college and then being in San Francisco at the height of the AIDS epidemic. And so I think that really made things different. But I did end up moving back uh, to Minnesota. I wanted to be with the person I had been from college that didn't work out. And that's how Peggy and I met was we went to a support group. There was a place called the Crystal Center for Women, which I think still exists today. And we both went to a lesbian support group. We're just trying to be supportive, and that's where we met each other. And I was um, house managing for a lot of theaters, and I went on to um, run the ticket office of Shaughnessy Auditorium. And so we just had such a theater background, and I had come from that. So that's how Peggy and I met, because we connected, 
you know, through the theater and, and I invited her to, um, you know, I invited anyone in the group to get some free tickets to go to some theater. The interesting story was that she was with another woman her age from the group. And then I invited them both to the theater and the woman ended up really dissing me and was really inappropriate. And wasn't it then when you just were like, forget about her, you know, because we really clicked. <laughs> so that was how, how we got together and probably off your, <clears throat> off your question, but I just feel like I did a lot of different things and working at a, a, a Catholic college for a while, I did feel like I'd have a little bit of discrimination uh, back in the early 90s, but it was before the Discrimination Act was passed, so I didn't uh, want to be, you know, let go. So I think a lot of people knew I was gay and a couple of people weren't uh, as comfortable with that. So I think I did experience discrimination on and off through my working career, but I, I definitely picked environments uh, going forward that were much more open and supportive. So I think that helped in general. Thanks for sharing. So there's a question here on the chat, and it kind of goes back a little bit to coming, coming out. What advice for parents would you have their children are coming out, and how, how could they be supportive of that? That's a good question. Long story how Peggy and I chose not to have children, but again, they weren't open to uh, having us, we were considering it, but weren't open to gay people adopting at that time. I feel like a million things are, I don't know, there's a gay child on there, and there's a lot of TV shows out there now that have gay characters and gay children. And I think still, you know, Hollywood or it's still fictional storytelling, but I just like a lot of scenes that I've been watching where the parents are just, you know, this is us, the daughter is, is lesbian. And, and I just like the way that parents are just being more open to letting the children mm -hmm. express themselves or be who they are. And, and I think it's less trying to pressure them to be something they're not or to be with someone different than they want to be with. So I think as parents, especially for teenagers, you know, to just be open and listen, try to be more inclusive in, in how, you do, how you are. Because I think that's the biggest thing is that gay allies can just help us by, you know, not assuming everybody's straight. So I have to come out and say, no, it's not my husband. No, she's not my mom. <laughs> she's my partner or she's my wife. And just not making those assumptions so much. So I think with children, it's the same thing. It's like, just don't make assumptions and just talk and listen to them. Right, good, good. Um, how important are LGBT spaces or LGBTQIA plus spaces to you? I was just thinking that because we were thinking about, when you mentioned Robert Street, because back in the, when we were together in the early 90s, you know, the only place we felt safe to go was to the, um, the gay bars. And, you know, we didn't drink or we weren't party people, but we could be with people and be safe. And we had our stay get party at one of those bars back in 2013. And we were just laughing hysterically because um, most of the time we were there, there were no gay people in the gay bar. <laughs> there were just all straight people. Finally, before we were done, you know, some, a couple of gay people came in and bought us some drinks or something, you know, to celebrate. But I just thought, 
wow, you know, if this had been in the 90s, it would have been just so crowded and smoky, you couldn't even walk, you know, because we were just in, like, sardines in these places. And so I just think it's really changed um, over the years. And I think gay people still need a place to feel safe because I think there are still issues with people that aren't accepting. But I think now it's like the, the gay bars aren't as popular because gay people can be gay and go wherever. Mm -hmm. um, we still might not dance at weddings. Um, I think that was something we had mentioned to you too before. It's like, you know, we've been to hundreds of weddings and we never once danced as a, as a lesbian couple because we didn't want to make, you know, anyone feel uncomfortable. And I think that now has changed. So I think there are more places where people can be themselves. Thank you, Angela and Peggy, for joining us today for this edition of Inside the Castle. We appreciate you and your insight. To our listeners, we want to hear from you. What topics are important to you and people you are interested in hearing from? Until next time, be safe, be innovative, and be revolutionary. To provide your feedback, email us at cw.infrastructure.team at usace.army.mil. Stay tuned for additional Inside the Castle podcasts as we explore life inside the core and revolutionize civil works together.